Her website describes her as a loud, proud, pro-gun, pro-life, Jesus-loving, red-blooded, conservative Republican woman. Wow. But that just scratches the surface of our guest today. Lindsey Graham joins us to talk about what happened when she refused to bow down to the government when mandates threatened to close her business down. Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, special guests tackle the issues facing the moms of America today. Discussions include personal stories and advice on how moms can build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their homes and country. Hi, moms. I'm Debbie Corlettis, your host, and thank you so much for joining us once again this week. Um, we want to, right here at the top of the show, just mention that we are being censored. So if you can, please like, subscribe, and share our podcast. We would so appreciate that. This is really how we are getting the word out, mom to mom. Uh, also, I want to invite all of you that are listening to join our movement here at Moms for America. We are moms uniting all across the country to fight for our faith family, freedom, and the Constitution. So please check us out at momsforamerica.us. Uh, we would love to have you in our tribe and join moms from all across America fighting for our kids, our future, and for this great country. All righty, on to today's program. Lindsey Graham is my guest today. She gives herself the moniker of Patriot Barbie because one of the journalists tried to use that term to negatively describe her, but no, not her. Not to be bullied by anyone, Lindsay grabbed that title and started using it herself. The drama in her life started because Lindsay owned three successful beauty salons and some other businesses in Salem, Oregon. She had built her businesses from the ground up, but in 2020, yes, 2020, we know that, it was shut down in the middle of the pandemic. I'll let Lindsay tell you how she fought against the government tyranny and share her story. This is going to be incredible. All right. Well, welcome, Lindsay, to the Moms for America podcast. We are so glad to have you, girl. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And I'm, I'm so honored to be aligned with an organization like you guys that's doing so much for Moms in America. Thank you, babe. All right. We got to start talking about your story. Um, but before we jump right into that, we love to kind of meet our moms, find out a little bit about their tribe, how many children. Give us a little bit about your family, would you? I would. Yes. I have an eight-year-old son named Trigger a six-year-old daughter named Oakley, and an about-to-be-three-year-old little boy named Ranger, who we are currently potty training. My life's a nightmare. <laughs> he's he's just like me. He's hard-headed, and he'll, he'll do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. So it's it's chaos in our house. But uh, I remember um, those days. Yeah, it's it's wild. I'm trying to, to treasure them as well as, you know, be frustrated all in one. I know. All in one time, but. Um, so you've, yeah, you've got a full household there. Yes, we do. No pets, thank goodness. <laughs> Plus the husband. I mean, you know, so as moms, we're always uh, multitasking. and um, But yeah. yes, those those times are so precious. And just, you know, it seems like yesterday my guys were small and now they're all 18, 23, and 25. So it, oh it does gosh. go really quick. Yeah. And my, my oldest son, he starts to talk about like, when I'm 12, I'm going to do this. And he's already excited to work out <laughs> at the gym with me. So he knows that the rule is that he has to be 12. And he keeps counting and I'm like, can you just stop counting down? Cause it's <laughs> like, you're growing up too fast. 
Yeah. Uh, righty. Well, um, great story that you have. I should say it's a, it was a challenge. Now it is a victory story because you've gone on to do great things and God has used that situation to open up a lot of doors for you. Um, so let's share with the moms a little bit about your story. Um, you had your own business um, mm -hmm. and you had a, just a really great work ethic. You really wanted to do um, your own business and kind of own something. So tell us a little bit about what you had, what you started, and then we'll get into what happened to it. Yes. So at the young age of, I think about 23, um, I went to hair school. I didn't go to college after high school because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went to hair school kind of on a whim and discovered that I loved it. And after graduating and working at someone else's salon, I discovered an entrepreneurial spirit that I did not know I had. And very quickly into the industry, I opened my own salon, which was called Glamour Salon at the age of, I think it was 25, 26. Yeah. Uh, it was 2009 or the end of 2008, I'm sorry. And um, since then, the salon was growing, expanding. Um, I was wildly successful at running a business and doing hair. Um, by the end of 2020, <clears throat> We, I had a 5,000 square foot salon, 25 people wow. that worked there and um, a hair extension company with, throughout that process, my husband and I had purchased um, into a franchise and we had four tanning salons and he had also Jeez. invested into a gym, uh, like a 20,000 square foot gym in another community. And so we were running six businesses between us, along with raising all of our kids <laughs> yeah. uh, back in Oregon when, um, of course, in 2020, the lockdowns came and um, shut all of our businesses down, said that we were not essential. And we were left with, you know, a new home that we had just built. Um, I just had my third baby, Ranger, who was six weeks old. And so we had a new SUV to try to tote all the kids around. Right. And lockdowns left us going, uh, uh, we don't have income. Right. We don't have money. Yeah. We don't have ways to pay our bills or a mortgage. And what are you supposed to do? Yeah. We right. were supposed so, to take PPP loans, which we were supposed to give to our employees who weren't working for the businesses that weren't open. <laughs> so like no I government mean, help. Yeah. Right. So we all remember how absolutely crazy this was. And, and you, like me, we live in kind of a communist state I'm here in Illinois, you're in Oregon and no, no rationale. Um, nothing makes sense. Um, for the folks that had successful businesses or were working, all of a sudden we were shut down and said, um, well, too bad, we got to figure it out. And crisis has happened. You decided to do what? Here you've got employees. You've got a vibrant business. Like you said, you've got bills. And you kind of took this a step further and you said, sorry, we are essential. Sorry, my business does matter. Sorry, our families do need an income. Tell us about what your steps were with your business. Yeah, so it was um, Kate Brown, the, the governor in Oregon, had said, let's close down for two weeks to flatten the curve. And I went, okay, whatever. This is God's way of giving me more time with my baby. I'll just accept it, even though I'd already taken a month off for maternity leave. And, you know, we don't get, we're business owners. We don't get um, paid time off. We don't get vacation. Right. Yeah, none of that. And so two weeks turned into four, turned into six. And my eyes were opened. I went, hold on a second. Everyone can pile into Walmart and everyone is because they're bored and stuck at home. They right. just want to be shopping for the heck of it. 500 people in Walmart touching things, not wearing masks, not sanitizing, but I can't do one person's hair without it being right. illegal. 
Right. And so it, it didn't make sense to me. And that's not why I reopened. Um, I reopened because legitimately, if I didn't, I was thinking we're going to have to sell our house. Um, right. Get rid of my coming crashing food. down. Yeah. We're going to have to start selling off our items just to survive. Right. We, and, and honestly, if we had stayed closed, I believe we would have gone bankrupt. I, I believe we would have lost everything and gone bankrupt. So at six weeks, I reopened. I mm -hmm. said, I need to work and I believe mm -hmm. I'm essential and I don't believe the government has the right to tell me I'm not. Right. So I reopened just my hair salon and said, my girls can work if they want to. I'm going to. Mm -hmm. And um, it it became national news and not so much because I reopened, but because as soon as I announced I was reopening, the government just started coming after me with every single agency they had and said, you they were going to make an example of you. Yes, absolutely. I was, okay. yeah, probably like the second or third person in America to publicly reopen. So, and what yeah. happened when you said the government came after you? Um, what does that mean? What was uh, what was the level of intimidation, bullying? I can't imagine because we did see this from afar because a lot of us were kind of you know watching America, and mm -hmm. your story was national news. I mean, yeah, they did come after you with. Um, you know, guns loaded, I should say. Yeah. So it started right away. As soon as they heard that I was going to open, they sent OSHA to my door and OSHA threatened me and said, if you open, you're going to get a $70,000 citation. Um, uh, okay. Was like what would we do with that? Who has that money on hand? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. As if I can possibly afford a $70,000 right. fine when I'm working because I need to work to provide for my kids. Correct. Um, I was told my hairstylist license was going to be revoked. I was told my business license would be revoked. Um, I'd be kicked out of my building for violating my lease. Um, I was told that Oregon Health Authority was going to issue me a $50,000 a day fine if I stayed open. And then very, very shortly into this, Child Protective Services came to my house. That they, is the scariest piece of this puzzle. Okay. Yes. Because now they're intruding on your family and holding your children somewhat hostage. Yes. This drives me crazy. Tell us what happened here. Um, so they showed up at my door. So there was an anonymous report that my children were in danger and it was an unsafe uh. household. And, you know, being very um, naive at this point, I went, okay, this is crazy. My house is clean. My kids are happy. We are a, a beautiful, well taken care of family. Come on in. I'd be happy to show you. And I assumed that that move on my part would be that, Hey, this case is closed. Right. Like you would diffuse it. Yes, totally. So I invited him in. He looked around our house. He wanted me to open our toilet seats and open the fridge and like deep inspection. He wanted to interview my son who was five at the time, uh, privately. He wanted to be in his room door shut. Are you home alone or is your husband there at this my point? My husband is here. Okay. And they had interviewed my husband and I separated. They they pulled us aside in, in separate rooms. He, he had pulled us aside and he wanted us to question us separately. All of this is very weird, but I'm thinking, okay, just do it because it's going to get it over with. Mm -hmm. When he wanted to talk to my son in his room alone and mm -hmm. I protested two, three times, I was very uncomfortable. That yeah. was so strange to me that he would not let a parent in the room. I said, I'm not going to look at him. I won't talk. I won't speak. A five-year-old. Five-year-old. So, I mean, there's a report. I've got a copy of the report. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, that's against the law. And I know that now. 
That right. was against the law. For and, and here's the thing, Lindsay, let's just mention this too. When things like this happen, none of us have ever been in a situation like this, right? We don't yeah. know. The intimidation level is high. Yes. This, it, it is like bullying at its finest, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. But you just don't know. You're kind of just what? I I follow the law. I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a good person. I take care of our family. We're, we're, we're good. So what do you need? I want to prove this to you. Yes. All of a sudden you're in this storm of like, you're removing my child. You're going here. You're walking around my, so, I mean, it's disturbing. So what happens? Do, Do they give you a report? Do they try to do anything more? They did. Yes. So they interviewed Trigger alone. Um, He left on his, well, here's what's suspicious. Everything checked out. Our house is clean. Food is stocked. Trigger answered all the questions truthfully. His mommy loves him. He loves his mommy and he loves his daddy and he's happy and healthy. And the man leaves our house, says he's going to make a phone call and he comes back. When he comes back, he says, I still need to interview your three-year-old daughter. And I'm like, what? There's no need now. There's no need. Who did he call out in the car? And what did they say? And why does he need to come back and interview a three-year-old little girl? Right. And I was just shocked. A three-year-old little girl. This is so goofy. Yep. I said, okay, well, I guess I'll call you. He, He gave me a piece of paper and it was basically my rights as a parent if they were to remove the children from my home. And I started crying. I started bawling. I yeah. pictured everything in the movies, like yeah. my baby, my six-week-old baby being taken. And I'm trying not to scare the kids, but I'm screaming right. and crying. Right. Just a nightmare. And again, over your business, over over, opening- over over the allegations of an unknown, false, fake, unidentified person who may or may not have called and said, I, you know, I could say whatever. Harassment. I'm- yeah. Yep. We, we have some Intel that says that what was done through CPS child protective services was not normal, that mm-hmm. this never should have been investigated. They had put a rush on my claim, a rush. Um, it went through mm-hmm. two screeners, both screeners should have said, yeah, this doesn't have any validation. We're not going to go through with this, but they did anyway. Mm-hmm. We believe that the governor's office was behind it. Um, it's just another intimidation really? tactic. Um, but it was after I posted about this and my attorney said, don't say another word, tell them not to communicate with you. We filed a tort claim, which was save your records. We're coming after you. Okay. Um, they, they text me, which is so strange. They text me and said, uh, this case is closed. We do not need to interview Oakley. Um, the, the, the case mm-hmm. has been found unwarranted. And I was like, yeah, no, no kidding. Yeah. So, no kidding. Um, so you got your attorneys, you kind of just, you went back with your, with a punch to say no. Yes. And you yeah, know, not every mom can do that. I no. happened to have an attorney that was helping me because I happened to be in the, in the national spotlight at that moment. Right. You're right. Not mom. every mom can do that. Not every household can fight back. Yeah. They don't have the funding or the connections or yes, like you said, but, a national story. And that's what makes it so stinking scary. Yeah. But I will um, say this, moms need mm-hmm. to know. Someone told me until they show up at your door with a police officer, you don't let them in. You don't talk to them. So you should not have let them in. Nope. I should not have even spoken to them. Okay. Not, not no response whatsoever. And I do want the moms to understand that too, because we've had different moms on that have had situations like this. Mm-hmm. One was the FBI, which was a little bit different and they did have some documentation, but yes, just in general, we don't have to let anyone in our home 
that's just saying, I'm, you know, I'm here, let me in. No, we need to. So your words of advice to them again is what now, Lindsay? My when advice some... to, to parents that are approached by Child Protective Services is yeah. do not answer their phone calls. Do not answer their texts. Don't answer their emails and don't let them in your home. They okay. are not there for your good. Right. So now you get that at bay. What's going on with the media? What's going on in your community? So now, I mean, you just really have a, a lot of issues at hand. How did this roll out? So now that I had become what I was now classified unofficially was, was a, a conservative, you know, I was a conservative public figure. A Patriot Barbie. Yes. Yeah. They, they actually called me that Patriot Barbie. They, that's where that came from. They, they yeah. made a meme out of my face and tried to slander me. And I was just, I had gone to a point where I was so sick of their crap. I went, you know what? Okay. I'm going to change my Facebook to Patriot Barbie. And it just, I'm going to wear proudly. Yeah. Hey, we know that God turns all things to good, right? That, so true. To harm me, he'll turn to good. And so, so Patriot true. Barbie is. Yep. Um, so cancel culture was rearing its head. It was something I'd not experienced before um, at this level. And I was now being called a murderer, a grifter. Of course. A, a killer, a, you know, grandma killer, <sighs> thief. I was stealing people's money because they were donating to me um, on GoFundMe to help pay my $70,000 potential fine. I'm sure you um, were racist too because you wanted to yes. open your business. Yes, yes, yes. So BLM. Antifa and now the media were kind of following me, tracking me. Everything I do, I was doing was, you know, um, like you said, racist, white nationalist, um, white supremacist. Mm. Uh, George Floyd riot started, and someone posted on Facebook and said, "Let's burn down Glamour Salon first. Let's kick Lindsey Graham's." <gasps> and that oh went my viral. Gosh. And That's I said, terrifying. It, it is. It's like I was. I became a target just for wanting my freedom. I mean, I. Right. I was, a, I put a target on my back from BLM and Antifa just by saying, I mean, my salon being open has nothing to do with George Floyd. Nothing. Right. Again, so, like you're saying, you just wanted to open up your business. You would even work within perimeters, or, you know, that, that you had to do, you know, within some guidance. I mean, you were yeah. willing to play ball. You just wanted to open up your business. Yes. Yes. Well, I did not want to let them burn down my salon. So I did a call to arms and 400 people showed up outside my salon, um, armed second amendment rights and spread out all over downtown Salem, Oregon, and said, we're not going to let you ruin anyone else's life. Like in the name of racial justice. Wow. <clears throat> so, and I really got canceled. Then <laughs> I really got labeled a white supremacist. Um, wow. Petitions were started to, to kick me out of, you know, take my business license. I was a threat to the community. Um, I started getting death threats and Antifa was sharing my picture. Keep an eye out for this girl. Let us know. They were doxing you probably yeah. the whole thing, yes. putting your address. I mean, this is so, it's just so frightful that it anyone is. can do this and then they do not get, uh, you know, in trouble or there's right. no consequences right. for these people. The, the news came to my salon and said, oh. you've got graffiti on your salon. It's it's saying that you're a murderer and a racist. Like, what is it? And I tried to explain to them what was going on. And it, like, they went back to the studio and they clipped like five seconds. And it had nothing to do with, you know, BLM harassing me and targeting me and, and doxing me. It was just like the near, I watched, I watched in live action as the narrative was completely flipped on me. 
And it just, it was, it was the most surreal time in my life where I went, yeah, my gosh, I'm none of these things. And yet, I mean, the news is making me look like I'm all of these things quite naturally. Well, the thing that I like to say right here is that in the midst of the storm, you held it together. You kept moving forward. You kept fighting for truth, really, for the true story, for the opportunity to live out the American dream, to, you know, just hold on to something that you had built. So a lot of times people just give up, but you kept going forward. And again, look what God has done. Mm -hmm. So fast forwarding a little bit through all this, what happens with the salon? What do you decide to do? So I decided at that point, we, I had a very clear moment in my life when I realized it was never going to be the same. My life as I knew it was completely over. All my stylists were leaving because they were all getting death threats. I did not have a salon left. I did not have a clientele left. I mean, that I could count on our gym memberships were being canceled. Um, The tanning salons are being targeted. Let alone COVID goes on forever with the pandemic, with the masks, with the lockdowns, with this regulations. I mean, it's not like you could even just pick it up and start, start fresh. It was still, we were still in the midst of this craziness. Yeah. And and we were getting no options. Yeah. We were getting reviews every single day that, you know, they're not enforcing that. It's like Oregonians were just so brainwashed. They were like little tattletales. And it was like, if we stay here, it's just going to be so hard. Our life's going to be so hard so hard right. and we have nothing left. Right. So I had family in Arizona. We, we decided one day when cancel culture was really bad, yep. let's go, let's get out of here. Right. I called the realtor the next day. We sold our house. We um, packed everything. We left our businesses behind. I ended up closing the salon. I couldn't even sell it because it had been canceled so badly. Um, so we sad. closed our businesses and, and we moved to Arizona for safety above all else for safety, right. but also for freedom. For safety and for freedom. And this is what a lot of people are doing still to this day, leaving the states that are not reasonable and going to free states. So I would have done the same thing. You started a new life there, fresh, and um, it's been a world of opportunity for you. It has. Yeah. When we got to Arizona, it was kind of (laughs) like, well, what are we going to do? I don't know if I could start all over. Got to rebuild. Yeah, we had to rebuild. So we didn't want to get cancel cultured. You know, the media and Antifa were still tracking me, still trying to, you know, see where I'd gone and what I was doing. Hmm. And so we invested in some real estate, kind of put every, gave everything to God, all of it, and said, mm-hmm. We I have whatever I, I want, whatever you have for me. Right. And very, very quickly, God showed me that I was supposed to be in an activist role. Um, that whatever yes. Patriot Barbie was, that was <laughs> that was who I am now. I just love that. I know. Yeah. I just embraced it and I have no idea where it's going or, or what it's doing still. I just kind of said, okay, Lord, I have been canceled. I have nothing to lose. I am right. the perfect person to have a voice because what what's going to be said about me that hasn't already been said? Right. Nothing. I mean, I, right. I take cancel culture every day now and I just kind of go, well, ta, ta, ta. yeah, 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 right. reasons, whatever. And you got strong through this. Yeah. Really, God did build you up to be a voice. So now you have a podcast. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. So when when my story broke and was national news, I was so thankful to the people that I didn't even know were out there, David J. Harris <laughs> Jr. And, and, you know, Glenn Beck and all that, because I wasn't political. And they called me and said, come tell your story. And I would tell my story and they were championing me. And I was going, okay, I, I didn't really do this to be brave. I just did it to work, but thank you. Right. You did it because you had to. 
Yeah. And now that I have a platform and I have a voice, I feel like I should be sharing that with people who are doing brave things in America, mm. people who are fighting the fight behind the scenes, front of the scenes. So my podcast, as much as I love to hear myself talk, is more about, okay, I want to share your story. Um, nice. I want to give you a chance to get what you're doing out and bring awareness. And so we, I have people on that, you know, moms, um, women, uh, people like, you know, people in different mm -hmm. areas of movements that mm -hmm. I feel are applicable in this time to, um, to give them, give them a voice. And that's really what my podcast does. I love it. I yeah. love it. And it's called the Patriot Barbie. Patriot Barbie podcast. Yes. I yes. love it. So we can see that on all the, on the platforms and all the video uh, platforms as well. So that yep. is terrific. And then I know you kind of do some different things before. I, I do want to get into a kind of a, a current story that you're battling right now, but you also have some fun stuff. I know you have a fashion line, mm -hmm. you have a lip gloss now. Tell us what you're, what you're doing here with your merchandise. Yeah. So this is my podcast studio, by the way, that I'm in right I now. Love it. Um, usually I have guests in person and um, my podcast streams mainly on my own website, which is patriotbarbie.com. Okay. You can watch it. It's um, video and audio. And I wrote a book, which is called Targeted, One Mom's Fight for Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. Mm. It ended up being my whole kind of life journey testimony. It is something that God called me to do. I obeyed. I've never written a book before. I wrote it all myself. It sounds like I talk, <laughs> so it's an easy read. Um and then, yeah, I'm just collaborating with like American Woman Beauty came out with a, a Patriot Barbie lip gloss that's launching next month. Love and um, Crown of Country is this one I'm wearing. It's my little mama bear shirt. Love very, that. Very rocker style like myself. <laughs> um, and that's all on PatriotBarbie.com too. You can find everything, my Instagram and Twitter and all that. I love it. Um, but yeah, so doing a lot of, you know, collaborating with different brands that I, that are America based and that I love and that are fighting the good fight. I love it. So I would just want to go back to one other thing that you just said earlier. Um, you said that you weren't political. Mm -hmm. Were you, did, did you vote? Were you engaged? Were you aware of everything? Or were you kind of just doing your thing as a mom and trying to have a business? Where were you in the journey of like having your vote matter and your voice be heard? It was, it's hilarious. I was the people that I'm trying to wake up now. I was okay. doing my thing. I voted for Obama one year because whatever, he's cool for black president. I mean, I was not okay. paying attention. Okay. The next year I voted for Trump because I didn't like Obamacare. It's like, it only affected me if it affected me, right? So as a okay. business owner, Obamacare started trying to tax me for not having insurance. And I'm like, I'm healthy. I take care of myself. I don't need your insurance. Okay, I don't like you anymore. All right, I'm voting for Trump. <laughs> He's a Republican. I've been a registered Republican my whole life. My parents are conservative. And really that's what it came down to is, hey, dad, who are you voting for? All right, that's mm -hmm. who I'll vote for. And um, I just wasn't paying attention at all. I wasn't interested. My Facebook page said in the politics box, gross, I don't do politics. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> I had to change it last year. I was like, oh, that's yeah. not true anymore. I better I better update that. Okay. I better update that to say that I really, really, really care about politics because, you know, they're life changing. Right. Well, policy but, affects us all. And that's the thing with our moms. We have to know that policy affects every aspect of our life. Yes. And it's so important. I mean, what they're doing here in Illinois, what they're doing, what they did in Oregon, mm -hmm. what they're doing in California, 
what they're doing all across the country from parental rights to yeah. abortion, you know, just to the sanctity of life. Everything matters. Policy matters. It it's unfortunate because it feels like, you know, you got to play this political game, but no, you have to be aware yeah. and you have to be voting. And we try to just talk about all these topics every week that affect moms. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to kind of ask you a little bit about, um, you know, what your advice is to moms uh, about being engaged and being involved. And then I want to talk a little bit about um, some of the things that you're fighting daily. Yeah. Um, I will say that a lot of the reason I didn't want to do politics is because there's so much to know. And I feel like you can't know everything. Right. And even now, I wouldn't even begin to claim that I know everything. I would say if you're a mom, um, pick you know two or three topics that really matter to you. What they probably are is your child's safety, mm -hmm. your child's education, and probably your rights as a parent. Maybe right. maybe the, the, the pro-life movement, maybe the abortion topic. Right. And then kind of immerse yourself with, with people that do know everything about those specific topics right. and have the authority, and then just get little information from them. And you know what? If you find somebody, we'll say an influencer or podcaster or whatever, political mm -hmm. activist that you really trust, ask them, who would you vote for? I mean, it, like that's better than doing nothing. That's better right. than voting blindly. It's it's better than, you know, giving up time with your kids, trying to gain knowledge in, you know, 20 different political aspects. Right. It's like impossible. It's a full-time job. Well, let those right. people do it. And you ask them, hey, if I believe in this, this, and this, who would you vote for? Mm -hmm. And like, even now we're seeing in Arizona, Katie Hobbs just won the election and the first order of business is to make kids address people by their proper pronouns in schools. It's like, right. that is the last thing that we are, should be concerned about in Arizona. Right. They're trying right. to, she's trying to take away our school choice, right. um, which is a big deal for me. So moms and parental rights and parental yes. involvement. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, and, and this is too, we, we do have a, a sister, you know, organization called moms for America action. And we do promote, uh, issues and candidates and information on voting and how to vote and all that stuff that's all on our our um our mom vote page uh moms for america action so we do tr try to provide this as well um the other thing i want to ask you real quick Lindsay, is right now um you're in a situation where you were at a gym right working out and this is another culture issue that we've never dealt with 10 years ago Right. five years ago, a few years ago, yeah. men being able to identify as a woman and walk into a, a, a woman's gym where people are showering, dressing, unchanging, you know, changing. Mm -hmm. This happened to you this week, correct? Yes. Yeah. Three, three days ago on Saturday. I mean, how insane was this? I saw the whole video. How shocking. I mean, talk about this, what, what our daughters and, and us as women mm -hmm. are now having to face with men walking into our dressing room, our dressing room. That's right. This yeah. isn't walking into a coffee shop. <laughs> yeah. This is our dressing room. Yeah. You know, it, it, this man, I knew I've spoken up against him. He sits on an elementary school board in Buckeye, Arizona. I've spoken up against him because his entire life, he's been a man, married, kids, dresses like a man. His name is Paul. He still goes by Paul, but now he's pierced his ears, permed his hair, and wears his deceased wife's clothing and demands that everyone address him as a woman. All right, just because you put a bra on doesn't mean that you're a woman. No, I know. Oh, I know. And I don't even know if he does that. I've seen him at the gym. He doesn't wear a bra. There's nothing to bra. He's a man. Um, you know, and he, he works out at the gym. He is a circus show, in my opinion. There's nothing female about him. 
And that's fine. And and even then you're confusing people, which is is really not fine from a social aspect, right? And it's definitely not fine that you're confusing the elementary school children that you surround yourself with, which is incredibly terrifying. But I think I am a, I'm a 40 year old woman, 41 year old woman who can certainly handle herself. And uh, I believe in my second amendment rights clearly. And this man in the locker room didn't intimidate me. It shocked and appalled me, but- Because you were changing, correct? I was changing, yes. My concern is, what if I'd had my six-year-old daughter with me? Sure. What if, what if he started changing? Sure. I didn't. If I wanted to see male genitalia, I'd go into the men's locker room. This is our private space. And rewriting biology or the definition of women to include mm-hmm. men is one of the scariest, scariest socially woke aspects that we are facing right now. Mm-hmm. Because this man, I believe that probably he's not a pedophile, probably, but he sets the precedence. He, he sets the precedent for a pedophile to simply say, I'm a woman. Right. We're opening the doors. Daycares and and public women's restrooms. And now there is no, I mean, there is no way to stop them because everyone is coddled and catered. And even now, on social media, people are saying, you're bullying him. And I go, I'm not bullying a 72 year old man with a mental disorder. This is a man, let's keep it Let's keep it that in mind, no matter how soft-spoken he is, no matter how pretty his floral dress is, this right. is a man and, and we it, should be reminding him. Right, and that's what you did in your piece. And you talk about activism every day, you're still an activist. And I think that's what moms need to understand. Every day we're an activist because we are defending our children at every corner. And you took it to social media, you talked about it. There was a story about a little girl at the YMCA recently, another situation where the man came into the dressing room. There's, you know, there's kids in, in bathrooms, there's showers. I mean, this is this is very uh, a very tender, tender, important issue to yeah. protect moms and, and their kids mm-hmm. in dressing rooms. And this should just not be something we're talking about. But thank you for continuing to fight and expose. And that's the thing that I I like you to just end with the fact that moms can do so much as an activist. We can pray with our children when we put them to bed. We can talk about the principles of liberty at the kitchen table. And then we can be a light in our community, Um, however big, however small, right? We have to be the defenders. We have to be the exposers. And it's not comfortable. It's really not. I mean, I, I got anxiety doing what I did, calling the sure. police, which is a completely normal reaction. Right. We we have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. We have to listen to God's calling and not, you know, society's calling. Society, when the police showed up, told me that he's the victim and he has a driver's license that says he's a woman. And I, you know, there's nothing I can do. But guess what? I am going to call the police Every single time that man is in the locker room and they are going to show up every time and Mm -hmm. he may never get arrested, but by golly, he's going to be humiliated as he should, because his feelings do not matter over the safety of my daughter and Mm -hmm. your daughter and everyone else's daughters. Right. It does. His feelings do not matter. And that is what women need to do is, is when you feel 
like something is wrong and your gut tells you to do something that may scare you or maybe mm -hmm. uncomfortable, please do it anyway. Right. Those little, those little actions make a difference. Right. That conscious, that Holy Spirit speaking to you, mm -hmm. do it. And he will, he will guide you on that journey. Yes. So thank you so much, Lindsay. Again, the book is targeted, um, a must read for all. It's at patriotbarbie.com. I've got that correct, right? Yes, thank you. <laughs> all of your information, all of your merch, podcast, all those great things there. Thank you for being an inspiration, Mama. We thank do uh, appreciate what you're doing and God bless you, your family. And let's keep fighting the fight for America and for our kids and for the future of this great country. Amen, sister. Thank you so much. Well, all right. Well, another great interview uh, this week. Thanks again, Lindsay, for joining us. All right. If you have any ideas, topics, guests, you want to maybe have me interview and have on our show, I would love for you to send that to us. You can email me at podcast at momsforamerica.net. Again, that is podcast at momsforamerica.net. Also, would just love to hear from you. Uh, also want to remind you to visit our website at momsforamerica.us. Check out all of our amazing resources, events, and programs. We have got a slew of them for you moms on our website. Uh, you will absolutely love it. I also want to encourage you when you're on our website to check out our signature program, which is called the Cottage Meetings. These 12 lessons will inspire and educate you about America's heritage and um, share the principles of liberty so you can impact your home and your community. This program, along with many of our other programs on our website, will help you impact your family in a very powerful way. And I'm just going to tease that we've got a new program coming out for kids. It's going to be amazing. So uh, check that out. It's called Liberty Kids Club. All right. For parental rights to public policy, Moms for America has it all. Again, I want to invite you to sign up for our weekly newsletter. When you visit our website, that's how we will connect with you on issues uh, and initiatives that relate to you as a mom. We say this every week, moms. We believe that liberty begins at home. And we believe that you are the heartbeat of your home and the heartbeat of America. That's why this movement is so powerful, because moms like you are working to save our country. Again, like, subscribe, and share. Uh, I can't wait to see you next week. Uh, make plans to see us here. And remember, let's keep changing our world one home at a time. Thanks, moms. <laughs>